This is the Gathering Ottawa's Message Podcast, and we've got another great message for you. For information about us, check out thegatheringottawa.com. To get connected, email info at thegatheringottawa.com. And just know that at The Gathering, we exist to connect people to the love of Jesus. So let's get right to it. introduction so I won't do much more. I'll, I'll share a little bit about uh, a little bit about our ministry later uh, in uh, in the message here. But uh, yeah, I live downtown uh, with uh, my wife, three kids. One is off in Montreal, but she's home this weekend, so that's awesome. And uh, we kind of have a little foster daughter who's with us as well. And um, I was with my son this summer. We had the opportunity. It was a really amazing trip. We planned to go, uh, we, we went biking that we planned a bike trip across Israel, and it was really, it was amazing, uh, really cool experience. I'm not going to talk about that at all. What I'm going to talk about is uh, <laughs> that, uh, you, you ever travel abroad, uh, like to Europe? Who's been to Europe or, no, right? Like, so I got one of those um, things where you plug it, you know, the adapter. I wish I would have brought it. I brought one of those, you know, travel adapters, and um, I'm an idiot. I don't know how these things work. It has so many, you know, they make it so it has all the different prongs that will fit. It doesn't matter what country you go to or whatever, or what current it is. And they had so many prongs sticking out of it. And I'm an idiot because I don't read the user guide. I just, I, I like, I'm so stupid. I like pushed it to like make it so that all the prongs were sticking out at once. You are not supposed to do that. So then I grab it and the prongs sticking into my hand and I put it in the wall and then I experienced this. Pow! And uh, it hurt. It hurt a lot. And uh, I was okay, thankfully, because the current is strong. I don't know. It's different. It's different over there. Uh, and it was quite a shock. It was quite a shock. And I felt like an idiot. And, um, <laughs> oh, man, what a cheesy intro, eh? Um, I wasn't, uh, this is it. I was not prepared for the power, hey? I was there we go. Hey, goodness, Jesus juke you all here. Um, I wasn't prepared for it at all. I was not prepared for the power. And, um, yeah, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about here. And, and, and as I share today, I really want to preach and pray in expectation because I really do believe God is doing something unique. I, I shared this message a couple of weeks ago at a Cedarview Alliance Church, and... Um, Their, their, their sermon series they're doing is called Awake My Soul. Like the, the times where God just jolts us, right? The time where God just overwhelms us and jolts us. And we might be in a jolting moment in our culture right now. I don't know uh, how much you guys have looked down into Asbury. I don't know what you guys think about it or anything. But, you know, one thing is it just seems to be that there's a whole, there's the, the thing that I've been awakened to over the last couple of years or a couple of weeks is there seems to be, no matter what you think it's all about, that something's happening in those young people where they're desiring something more. That they're desiring something from God. They're desiring to meet with Him. They're desiring to experience His presence and His nature. And something's happening. And um, 
it, it's helped me over the last couple of weeks to really begin. I'll tell you, man, as a pastor, you can get cynical. You can get cynical. We can pray for God to move. We can pray for revival. We can pray for God to show up. We can pray for repentance to come. We can pray for impact in our neighborhood. But we can continue to pray about it because we're kind of thinking it's not really ever going to happen. And I think what I'm trying to do over the last couple of weeks is just kind of let that cynicism go away. And kind of believe again. And kind of go, God, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it could happen in our generation that we'd see the great awakening. Maybe it could be in our generation. Maybe in our day. Maybe this summer. And it hit me, this last couple of weeks I've been praying differently. Because I've been praying, you know, God, if, if revival sweeps through, if revival actually comes, if, if the Spirit of God just moves through us, the church, we're not going to be mobilizing your church, Jeff. It's not going to be about mobilizing our people for mission. It's going to be about catching up to what's happening outside of these walls. So one of the things I just want to pray for this morning is that to this cynicism, that cynicism that just, and i got to pray that in my own heart, that cynicism, just let go of it. Um, this passage in Luke 10 has been such a foundational one to my ministry over the last couple of years. But it, it really is one of those moments in the Gospels where, where the disciples are completely jolted by what God are doing, is doing here. They're completely shocked. They're, they're waking up. Um, it's, it's, you guys, I, I understand you're going through the book of Acts. Is that right? I love the book of Acts. I teach the book of Acts every single year because um, part of our leadership training and things that I do. So I love the book of Acts. I've taught it like 15 times over the last 15 years. It's just, I'm in it all the time. And I love Luke. Luke is my favorite biblical author. And I just love the way he tells the story of Jesus. And uh, in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, there's actually three commissionings. First, he sends out the 12. Then he sends out here the 72. And then there's obviously the great commission that happens at the end of uh, Jesus' ministry. But here... Um, in the sending out of the 72, um, he's going, he's sending his disciples out, the 72, into this region of Samaria to go and proclaim that Jesus is coming near. He sends them ahead of him to go into all the villages and cities that he's about to go into. And you have to understand how Luke structures uh, his gospel. He structures it like one of those great uh, Greek heroic odysseys or those epics, Right? So he structures his gospel differently than the other gospel writers. Because what's just happened before this is that Jesus, uh, in the gospel of Luke, um, Luke tells Jesus' origin story. It's almost like a superhero. You get the origin story of Jesus. You get the only, like, snapshots of Jesus as a child and where he's growing in wisdom and grace. And you see that, like something's coming. And then Jesus does his ministry in Galilee up in the north. Galilee of the Gentiles, it's called. And uh, when I preached this sermon series back in my old church, I called Jesus Man of Marvels. Because as he's preaching up in Galilee, everybody's just marveling over what he's doing. But then something very significant happens in chapter 9. What happens in chapter 9, and it's placed in a different place than in the other Gospels, but what's so significant is he goes up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And it actually says that the angels... And Moses and Elijah are, are meeting with Jesus to prepare him for his exodus. Very kind of provocative language there. Preparing him for his exodus. And he comes down from meeting them. He goes to his disciples and he says to his disciples, The Son of Man must go to Jerusalem where he's going to be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes. And he's going to be you know, betrayed and beaten and sentenced and executed. It is necessary for these things to happen because he's going to rise again from the dead. 
It's the first time he reveals in this gospel what is his destiny is to be. And he comes down and he says to the disciples now, I'm going to Jerusalem to die and to rise again. You now, I want you to take up your cross and to follow me. Do you see that, you know, often we talk, we, we, what we do is we metaphor, we make that a metaphor, don't we? We make that, oh, I've got my cross to bear. You know, I got my burden to carry. And no, Jesus is actually saying, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. If you're my disciple, let's go together. Like, that's a call to discipleship, right? Come and die with me. So Jesus does this thing where he doesn't just take the one road, that, the, the one that we biked down, which is the kind of following the Jordan River down. What he does is he intentionally goes right through Samaria. Like, you know, from the Gospels, the Samaritans had no dealings with the, with the Jewish people. But Jesus, even on his way to go and meet his death in Jerusalem, he wants to go uh, to the people that have been pushed aside. And he travels right through Samaria, intentionally. And, and from Luke chapter 9, 951, where he sets his face to go to Jerusalem, until Luke chapter 18, G, uh, Luke presents Jesus as going on one of those epic, heroic, odyssey journeys. And he marches to Jerusalem to face his death, destiny on the cross. But as he does this, as he's about to go, he sends these 72 in this, what I'm calling the second great commission. We, here's the thing about these 72, is we have no idea who these people are. They're not introduced to us. We don't know what's special about them. Like the first Great Commission, he sends out the 12. Like in the Great Commission, he also sends out the people that we know, Peter, James, John, right? Those guys. Here, it's just 72 of his followers, and he says, go, go to the cities I'm about to go to. We're, we're not told who these people are, and they're never mentioned again. And I do believe, actually, that's potentially the point. They're not the big names. They're not the apostles. They're not the church planters. They're not the pastors. They're ordinary Christians. So ordinary that we don't even know their names. They are the ones that Christ sends to do this work. Um, missiologist uh, Roland Allen calls this, uh, he, he refers to this as the spontaneous expansion of the church. He, he's been kind of a mentor to me through his writings. He speaks, and I know you guys are going through Acts, right? You guys are going through Acts. What, what chapter are you in in Acts? 15? Okay, so you've been through chapters uh, like um, 8, 9, 10, right? That's how numbers work. Thank you. I remember that. <laughs> um, but, but those chapters in the book of Acts are what they referred to as the spontaneous expansion of the church. Remember at the martyrdom of Stephen, the apostles remained behind in Jerusalem. And, and the church of God was scattered into these same regions. They are scattered into Judea and Samaria, and even as far up as to Antioch. And it was at the preaching of some of the, some of the younger preachers and some of the people that are lost to history, anonymous Christians, that just go out and take the story of Jesus into those regions. Now, get this. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. 
But it wasn't the apostles in obedience to Jesus going into Samaria and Judea. It wasn't them going, okay, I remember Jesus said we're going to go to these regions. Let's make a plan. Not that at all. It was the Holy Spirit working through the anonymous, nameless Christians that have been lost to history who took the gospel of Jesus Christ first beyond the walls of Jerusalem. That's spontaneous expansion. So the apostles, the leaders, are just playing catch-up. That's what they're doing. So, so there's a revival that breaks out in Samaria, and so Peter and James go and check it out. And then they, they go and check it out, and they go to confirm what's happening. They go to kind of bring some structure and guidance to it. But it's just the people going out and sharing. That's what I'm talking about. That when revival comes, if Asbury happens here, if we get a, a great awakening happening, who knows, this summer... It's not going to be your pastor and your elders, like, planning it. It's going to be us catching up to what God the Holy Spirit is doing. That is the spontaneous expansion of the church. And and the spontaneous expansion of the church through church history has not been by the leaders planning it, because that's not spontaneous expansion. It has been through the Spirit of God moving through God's people to go and love their neighbors as themselves. And bringing the hope of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God to our neighbors. That's the point. These 72 were not prepared to believe it. Look, like what Jesus says to them is, is, do you think these people were nervous? What does Jesus say to them? I think we're in slide two. Do I have slides? Yeah, yeah, here it is. I love this. Go your way. This is what Jesus' encouragement to these Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Thanks, Jesus. (laughs) Right? Don't take anything with you. Carry no knapsack, no no sandals. What? No, I just noticed that. No sandals, no money bag. And he says, basically, just walk, go into a town, just say, hey, Jesus is here. He's coming. The kingdom of God is near you. Uh, there's a woman in our church, she just went on this mission trip to Jordan. That was their mission strategy. They plunked these missionaries down in the middle of Jordan, and, and I, we said, well, what did you do? And they said, well, we just walked around town. I'm like, really? And then we met somebody, The spirit, we prayed, the Spirit would lead us to somebody. When we met them, we said, hey, can we come to your house? And they said, sure. And then we got to their house, they said, do you have anything we could pray over you? Do you need any healing or anything we can pray about you? And they're like, yeah. And then they would pray in Jesus' name. And it would open up conversations. And then they would end up staying at that person's house for two or three days. They lived with 18 families in the two weeks there in Jordan. This is what Jesus is telling them to do. Just go trust the Spirit will lead you to the right people. And when you get there, it's, he says, heal the sick and proclaim to them the kingdom of God is near. Now, do you th- what do you think those people are thinking? The 72. Are you a doctor? I'm not a doctor. Do you know how to heal? Did Jesus give us any instruction of how to heal the sick? No, I don't know how to heal the sick. But, you're, you know, outwardly they're probably like, yeah, Jesus, right, sure, good. We're, go, we're good. Yeah, okay, that sounds easy. You know, no, they're probably terrified. Until they go out. Now, this is the thing. There's, it's almost like a TV show where you, you get the commandment. Boom, the commandment is given. Jesus just says, hey, the commission's given. And then we, we're completely in the dark of what happens. Until, verse, what is it, 19? Sorry, verse 17. 
Until verse 17, we're completely in the dark. What happens? Then these people come, return to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, it was amazing. Jesus, like, they turned with, with joy. They returned with joy, saying, Lord, 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 even the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus gave them the power adapter, said, go play with it. And they touched it and went, boom! And they said, we were not ready. We were not prepared for that to happen. We're not prepared for that to happen. They're amazed when they went out in faith, obedient to the word of Christ. They experienced something when they stepped out in faith, obedient to the Lord's command. And I'm going to suggest to you this morning that what they were awakened to, this is what they were awakened to. They were awakened to the authority and the presence of Jesus Christ in the Great Commission. They're awakened to the authority and the presence of Christ in the Great Commission. So they're awakened to the authority. Here's what Jesus says to them. Jesus responds to them, saying to them in verse 18, he says, I saw, I saw. So they come up, Jesus, we saw, this was amazing. They returned with joy, saying, oh, we saw the demons are even subject to us when we went out. And Jesus said, yeah, I saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. What is Jesus speaking about there? Well, there's, there's been some discussions about what Jesus is speaking about there. There's a couple things. I'm not going to claim that I 100% understand what Jesus is speaking about there. It, it, it could be that. So, so when he's talking about, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, it's an allusion back to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is talking about the Gentile nations, which is interesting because Jesus sends out 72. The Jewish people had an understanding that there were 72 Gentile nations. In the book of Acts, the Samaritan, right, a lot of the Samaritan outreach in the book of Acts is, a, is, is like that first step toward what's going to happen in chapter 10 when they go to Cornelius and what's going to happen when Paul and Barnabas are sent out strategically into the Roman world. So this is a precursor to the idea. Remember, remember when God said to, uh, to Abraham, and he said, just walk around the promised land, every place your foot stands, that's the land I'll give you. This is the precursor potentially to this where Jesus is saying, yeah, in sending you guys out now to Samaria, in sending you prophetically at 72, what I saw was I saw Satan falling. I saw Satan's kingdom falling before you. He's already told Peter, on that rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I now, as I sent you out, I've seen this once again. That which I saw at the beginning, that what I saw that Isaiah prophesied about, I see, and I've seen Satan fall. So it may be that. It may also be speaking about, you know, back into the storyline of the Bible all the way back into chapter 3. The storyline of the Bible, how God created us for life and for love and for fellowship with Him. That when we turned away from Him, seeking our own ways, we disconnected from Him. And, and, and in His curse upon us, because of our sin and rebellion against Him, in the curse there was the promise. And the promise was there's going to be the seed of the woman that's going to come, that's going to crush the serpent's head. And you can read the storyline of the Bible through that promise, through the seed of the woman. Who's the righteous seed who's going to come and stomp Satan underneath his feet? You can read that storyline of the Bible. And, 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 and through the Great Commission, through the church going out, through reclaiming that dominion of our great king, 
It actually says at the end of Romans, the God of peace will soon crush Satan, church, underneath your feet. That there's, there's in such a way that the proclamation of the gospel is participation in the spiritual warfare that's been happening from the beginning, the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of, of, of the evil one. And as you go out in my name, Jesus is saying, proclaiming the kingdom, I'm seeing Satan's kingdom fall, and I'm seeing you, I'm seeing the church victorious over the power of the evil one. He also may be speaking back to Deuteronomy 8.15 which describes God as the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions, the serpents and scorpions, and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you and to do you good in the end. It could be an allusion to that. In the sense, in that picture, the church is the new people of God, wandering through the wilderness of this world, seeking promised land, but wherever they go, the presence and the authority of the Lord is with them. That's the key. That wherever we go, the presence and authority of the Lord are with His people. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm sure some of you guys have been Christians for a while, right? And I'm a missionary, so I gotta, when I come, it's a, it's like in my contract that uh, I, have to, I have to talk about the Great Commission in Matthew 28. How many of you guys know the Great Commission in Matthew 28? All right, somebody tell me what's the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Linda, you don't get to do this. <laughs> what's the Great Commission? Somebody, you guys know it? What's that? Go into all the world. I heard that, right? What else? Reach the Gospels, make disciples of all nations. What else? Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What else? Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. All right, there we go. We're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. All right, whenever I do this, and it's not to be, uh, you know, I'm not trying to bring all my trick questions, my pastory trick questions to you. But whenever I do this, I never, hardly ever, does anybody share with me how Jesus spoke of the Great Commission. Everybody always starts with go. Everybody starts with go. And often they don't go to the, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. They talk about go into all the world, make disciples of all uh, nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey. Those are great commandments, but it's not the great commission. The great commandments, but they're not the great commission. The great commission is this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Therefore, go. Make disciples. Remember, lo, I am with you always. See, if, I, I, if we don't get that, what we do is we turn the Great Commission into Great Commandments. And what do commandments do? They weigh us down and they burden us. The Great Commission is not about our command to just go and do and make, and baptize, and teach. The Great Commission is about our Great Commissioner. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. All authority, Jesus said, in heaven and earth is given to him. I loved at the beginning of 
you're, you're meeting today. You did the land acknowledgement. And how did that start? Sovereign Lord, this land is yours. We and the Algonquin people have been stewards of it. But this land is your land. You are the sovereign Lord over Riverside South. This is your territory, Lord Jesus. We're not going into hostile territory, although, although, although we understand that there are people who need to know the love and the favor of Jesus Christ. But this land, Lord Jesus, is yours. And when we walk, we walk, with, Lord Jesus, with your authority. It's not just that we have the power within ourselves and therefore demons flee in, 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 in our name. No. It's that we go in obedience to our commissioner, to the commissioner who says, go heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom of God come near. And then we come back with joy and we say, Lord, what happened? Even the demons fled from us in your name. And he says, yes, 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 I've given. He says, right, I've given you authority. And lo, I am with you always. Isn't it understood? Like, so we even have more than what they did. When they went out and they saw the demons flee from in front of them, he gave them their authority, but he hadn't yet given them their spirit, his spirit. And they saw this happen. And now after the, after the Acts 1-8 experience, we've been given not only the authority, but also the spirit. Also the presence. So how much more, church? This is not about you and your strength and your gifts, and the opportunities you cultivate. This is about our great commissioner. And if, if God is truly going to be lifted high and exalted above Riverside South, exalted above Ottawa, exalted above Canada, it's not going to be about our gifts. That's what's so beautiful about what's happening down at Asbury. Where they're literally saying, like, we don't want any other name on the stage other than Jesus. Because when you know Jesus, it's all you need to know. All you need to know. I'm no one. Nothing. Nobody. These 72, their names are lost to history. But did they experience Jesus in the Great Commission? Yeah. You bet they did. You bet they did. I don't know where I am. So before I... Uh, before I came on staff with Connecting Streams, I went out and I did some, uh, I did some uh, training on the West Coast. Um, uh, with church movement out there. I went in for a week and did some training with them. And uh, like the Wednesday, it was our last day, and they were like, we're going to do uh, evangelism training the last day. We're going to do evangelism training. Well, all of us, like we're all pastors and missionaries, you know, and we're all like, uh, and I don't know, like usually we're like hanging out in couches and stuff, but that day they brought a big board table out because they must have been having an important meeting after us because it wasn't for us. So, but we didn't know that, so we all sit down at this big board meeting and we're like, a uh, big board table, and we're like, all right, let's get our notebooks out here. They're going to teach us evangelism, all right, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and uh, this guy, big guy Rob, um, comes out and he's like, uh, now Rob, you got to know he, he spent his time in the federal prison system. He's a big guy. I mean, I got a bald head too, but I'm not intimidating. That guy's got a bald head, but he's got that like manly bald head, you know. And uh, anyway, uh, we, we're all sitting down, ready with our notebooks and all that. And he goes, uh, he goes, all right, uh, hey, uh, pack up your stuff. About ten minutes, we're, we're hitting the vans. Uh, we're, we're getting out of here, and we're like, well, where are we going? They, we're going down to the Tenderloin District. Now, none of us had ever heard of what the Tenderloin District is, or one person didn't. She gasped. Um, the Tenderloin District is the 
like he said, it's like the third toughest neighborhood in the entire U.S. Murders per capita, drug use per capita, homelessness, all that. And he says, uh, we're going to go down there in 10 minutes and, uh, yeah, um, you're just going to share the gospel, pray and share the gospel with people. Now, all of us, we're all pastors and missionaries and all that, and we're like looking at each other, and you could see like fear in each other's eyes, but none of us want to admit the fear in our eyes, right? Because we're all like, mm, yeah, sure, oh, huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. We went out to the streets, yeah. But we're all terrified, right? And we, we don't know what's going on. And, and like we raise hands, somebody raises their hand and goes, uh, so uh, how should we start conversations? And they said, eh, just pray and the Holy Spirit will show you each person. Okay. Somebody says, uh, uh, what, what, do we, what do we tell them? They're like, well, just tell them the gospel. Okay. What, what do we do if somebody's interested? And they're like, uh, and Rob, Rob was like, you all got my phone number, right? They're like, yeah. So I can just give them my phone number. Now, I live in, like, bureaucratic Ottawa, like, safe bureaucratic Ottawa. Like, we don't tell people to give phone numbers away to people on the streets, you know. It was so chill. He was like, I'll just give him my phone number. I'm like, okay. We went down there. The first, first, first thing happened before we even paid for parking. True story. Before we even paid for parking. Like, I wasn't paying for parking because I'm cheap. But before the guy was about to pay for parking, I'm just sitting there on the sidewalk while he's paying for the parking. And, um... I think this is okay to say. Uh, a drag queen, uh, queen from the second floor of the building right above where we parked. I don't know what the pronouns would be, so that person and the other person um, called down to me. Hey, sweetie, what's going on? Before we even like start, and I say uh, nothing. We're we're just we're just down here meeting people. We're talking to people about Jesus, and 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 they said. Well, you can come on up here and talk to us. And uh, I didn't know. I was still kind of like shell-shocked about the whole thing. I'm like, I, I said, well, why don't you guys come down here and we can talk? So they actually did. They came down and talked. Now, one of them was pretty open. We, we started sharing. That, those, those two brought me to a convenience store. They're like, what do you want? Do you want to buy us to buy anything? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, I guess I could use a water. So they bought me a water. I didn't use the water. I, I just held on to it. And then the other one was, like, not as interested. Um, they had actually been hurt and harmed by the church when they were younger, and they just kind of toned out, so they got the, they left. But God even used that water bottle. Later, there's a woman passed out in the street. She was kind of starting to get through, so we gave her that water bottle that the drag queens bought us. Queens bought us. We, we gave that water to this lady. We ended up reconciling this lady to her daughter because she couldn't find her daughter's apartment. She was that gone. It was just right across the street. We ended up going... We're like, what, what apartment, what address, what number? We find the daughter. We bring her down. She's like, Mom! Gets the mom. And then um, that woman ends up go, like getting connected because she's interested to find a new church. So, so we give her Rob's phone number. I don't know the rest of that story or anything like that. All I know is this. When, when we went back, like all of our groups, we saw weird, like, we saw that. So we get back. We get back to do the debriefing. And this is what Rob says to us. It's beautiful. He says, listen. He goes, you guys had to apply to be here. I made you, on the application, write out your understanding of the gospel. I know you know the four spiritual laws. I know you know how to ask somebody the questions that, we're, that we ask. He says, here's the thing. Our barrier is not our knowledge of the gospel. Now, some people it might be, but for you guys it wasn't. He said, we need to get over ourselves. We need to get over our fear. 
do we need to learn to rely on the power and the authority of our conditioner? You know what the great, great thing about that activity, that, that practice is? It was awesome. It was literally life eye-opening and life-changing. But you know what the great part about that is? is you guys could literally do that this afternoon here in Riverside South. <laughs> like, you don't need to go to California. You don't even need to go down to Bywood Market. You literally could just take that step of faith to walk out in obedience to our commissioner, trusting that his authority is with you and his presence will go with you. That is literally all it takes to be a, to be a missional person here in this neighborhood. All it takes, trust, trust, and you feel it. You feel it. Because you step out in trust, and suddenly you turn to Jesus with joy. And you say, man, you did more, Jesus, than I ever imagined you would do. A couple things, implications of this. First thing is this, just this. You've got to know Christ for yourself. You've got to know Christ for yourself. See, Jesus says, yeah, I've given you that authority, but don't rejoice in that. Don't rejoice that demons are subject uh, in my name. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Right? That's the first thing, is know Jesus for yourself. Now, Jeff, you separated the kids from me. Kids! <laughs> no, no, no. You got, I'll, I'll speak to you guys then. Like, the kids need to know that you know Jesus. Kids need to know that you know, know Jesus. you got to know Jesus for yourself. And I hope your kids know you as people who know the Lord. Not know about the Lord. Not just do the Christian religious stuff. But do you know Him? Do you know the Lord? I, I didn't grow up knowing the Lord. I didn't grow up in a house that knew the Lord. So when, when I first had friends that were sharing with me the reality of what the Bible says about my separation from God because of my sins, like I understood enough to know that if there was a God, I didn't really believe in a God yet, but I understood if there was a God that he was perfect and I wasn't. I got that. I could get that. And if God was perfect and I wasn't, and then he said, well, why should I let you in my heaven? Then I'd be like, well, I don't, I don't actually know. You shouldn't, because you're perfect and I'm not. We call that perfect, by the way. If, you, if you're not a church person, you hear the word holy, holy, holy. What we mean is perfect, 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 beyond, beyond, beyond. God is so perfect, he's so far beyond us. Like, you can't look at the sun without burning your red nose, right? How are you going to look into the face of a holy, holy, holy God? And, and, and so we can't. We're separated from him. Yet he has made a way for us to be reconciled to himself. By sending his son, we sang about this morning, by sending his son, his only son, the son that he loved, he sent him into this world to live among the lowest of the lower low. He was born literally in a barn. He went through every strata of society from the lowest to the highest, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God that everyone who turns to him in faith and repentance would receive forgiveness of sins in his name. And when I first heard that as a teenager, I thought that was a ridiculous fairy tale. I, I called him a cosmic pushover. 
Because what kind of God would be like a, a weak, he seemed to me like a weak grandma, grandpa where I could kick him in the shin and then he'd be like, all right, come up on my lap and get a lollipop. And that's not, that's not who God is at all. God is perfect justice, he's perfect judgment, and he's merciful in justice. Because you don't need a helper. You don't need somebody beside you to, to be your cheerleader. What you need, you need, you need a savior. There's no possible way for you to be reconciled to a holy God apart from a mediator coming, pleading your case for you, and actually paying your debt on your behalf. That's what Christ did. And the promise, the hope, the, 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 the message we have as we go into the kingdom, and the message we pray proclaim this morning is this. The kingdom of God is near. Christ has come. He died he is risen and he reigns. And you can turn to him this morning in faith and repentance. You can say, Lord, I don't know. I've been walking without you. I've been walking without you. And now I understand, Lord, I need you. And if that's anyone in here today, I invite you to come forward afterward. We'll pray. Jeff will pray with you. Linda will pray for you. Craig will pray for you. we got a whole bunch of people who would love to just pray with you this morning. you got to know God for yourself. Secondly, and Lord, I pray right now, if there is anybody here who is in that boat, Lord, they would not leave here today without speaking to someone about what it means to, to find salvation in Christ, to find hope in Christ, to find peace in Christ. Secondly, commit yourself to the Lord. Commit yourself to the harvest. Commit yourself to the harvest. I'm not going to get into big old stories, but it was. It, like, uh, I, I was a pastor here for 12 years. I could have stayed in that role. They, the, the church had already voted and approved me to stay for another three years. And I can't explain it. And I used to think pastors were full of baloney when suddenly they'd be like, no, the Spirit's saying it's time to move on. I'd be like, no, you just, like, you're upset at the board. <laughs> you know? Until it, like, happened to me where it was, like, literally as a pastor, but for as much as I learned how to hear the voice of God and discern where he was leading, not only my life, but the life of our congregation, because it's not just an individualistic thing. I understood the Holy Spirit to say, the time is done here, go. I was like, where? He said, go. And that's how God, and then God started developing the conviction in me of, listen, if Canada is as spiritually dark as we, as we sometimes believe it to be, then some of us have to think about radical life decision-making choices of what it would mean to be, a mission, be part of a missionary movement here in our city. Because if we were looking at cities abroad, we'd say, well, wow, we would need to send a missionary there. It's like, listen, that's us here in Canada. We, through some of the stuff we've been doing with, uh, with your board, like, Riverside South, man. You, you know, from like, like, Alta, no, like South Keys to Greeley. From South Keys to Greeley. A huge amount of people. It's a huge piece of land. And it's like, the gathering is the, like, it's, it's like, one of, it, it was like the, the evangelical church we identified in that entire quadrant of the city. This is the fastest growing region of Ottawa, second fastest growing region of Ottawa population-wise. And it's like, you guys are the light in this whole quadrant of the city. Lord, send your missionaries here. Lord, raise up missionaries here. And not just the people that have the positions and the titles, Lord, we need to pray for spontaneous expansion of the church here in Riverside South. That's the hope. That's the prayer. That's the message. That's the desire. 
commit yourself. So what does commit yourself look like? I don't know, but, um, you know, this is kind of a dream I had when I first joined Connecting Streams. It's like, what if every single person who, like, came to church on a Sunday morning in Ottawa, what if every, like, Jesus follower, what if they committed themselves to, like, one intentional outreach activity a week? Like, what if that was just, like, the expectation of Christians? Like, not your small group, great, you have a small group, that's wonderful. But are you, are you doing something once a week to put yourself in the presence of people that know, don't know Jesus for the purpose of bringing the light of Jesus into their lives? Like an hour. And it might be like thinking about your job, but it might be thinking intentionally about your job. It might be like you're already joined a club, but it might be thinking intentionally about the club you've joined. And it might be, you know, joining a group of people that are going out and doing like-minded things. So that's the other part. Number three would be pray for more workers. It's the first thing Jesus says to them as they go. In chapter 10, verse 2, he says to them, the harvest is, look at, the harvest is plentiful. That's the first thing he says to them is open up your eyes to see it. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So that's what we want to do is we want to pray. Man, Riverside South, Lord, we want to pray you raise up laborers for your harvest here. And, 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 and so what we're doing with Connecting Streams is we're like trying to pray and think and consider how can we mobilize the people of God in Ottawa to see the harvest in front of them. That's what, that's what we do with Connecting Streams. So you can put the Connecting Streams slide up uh, if you'd like. But this is what we do. Connecting Streams equips and mobilizes the church to help society's vulnerable population. So we're focused on, particularly we're focused on the people that will never, that, that's very unlikely to walk into a church. So we're, we, 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 we had some teams in the prisons, but that's been shut down because of COVID. But long-term care homes, um, our, our, our senior long-term care leader, Ann McGregor, she's, she's, trying to, she's trying to mobilize every church in Ottawa to adopt a long-term care home. Um, we got addiction recovery. Well, actually, go to the next, go to the next slide. Sorry. So this, these are some of the things we do. So Bridges Monday Night is a partnership between the Met and one of the churches in Chinatown providing a meal and a gospel message to people who need it in Lower Town, Center, or Center Town, and Chinatown. We've got ARM, Addiction Recovery Ministry, on Tuesday nights, um, helping with people with life-controlling addictions. Embrace is what Anne is working on, the adopt-a-home issue. Uh, Life Lab is taking those ARM people deeper into the recovery process. That's a partnership with John Ruby's Union City Church. Some of you guys may know John. Then we have uh, people reaching out into... Um, People who have ESL backgrounds or desire to reach newcomers to Canada through conversation cafes and through discovery Bible studies, bringing the gospel to people who are coming in. And that's all online that people are doing from their, their own homes. And one of the interesting things that's happening is uh, Inspire Somerset, which would be, uh, this is pretty cool because I'm involved in this one, so this one is the one I like. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're seeing God starting to open up doors into community housing. Like we have these Ottawa community housing high-rises across the city. And I just got another call. I'm seriously, I, was, I went to the Jesus Revolution movie on Wednesday night talking about like this, you know, how God just like made a movement in the 70s through. And I'm in the movie and I get a, an email from somebody who lives in another Ottawa community housing thing saying, there used to be a pastor who came in here and started a church, but he moved to Toronto a number of years ago. I heard you guys might want to come. And I, I know of right now, Four opportunities in Ottawa community high-rises to, like, planting churches to some of the people. They, they won't leave their building, particularly in the winter, because of mobility issues. But we can bring the hope of the gospel to them. 
So you want to know how easy it is to be a missionary? This is going to be funny because some of you guys who support me financially are going to say, oh, man, that's what you do? I'm just kidding. (laughs) How easy it is. This is what we do in Inspire Somerset. I bring my guitar. We sit down in a circle. The people from the building come down, and we ask one question, and it's the same question every week. You can do this. We ask this. We say, how has God inspired you this week? How easy ministry is. And somebody will say, well, I heard this song, so let's, let's sing that song. And somebody will say, I was reading my, in my Bible, I was reading this. So then we'll start there and we'll have a discussion. Well, what did that mean to you? Okay, what does that mean? And we just respond to what the Spirit has already given that person. And somebody will say, somebody literally said, I had a, this was during Christmas, I had a dream that I was one of the Magi, and I came and I worshipped Jesus. And I was like, that woman? We didn't even know she was a Christian. And so then we encouraged her faith to grow. And it's just everybody there, and we're praying that the Holy Spirit just brings his power into that building, brings his presence, brings the authority of Christ into that building. I actually pray that revival is going to start through these Ottawa community housing projects. That would be amazing, eh? So pray for more workers. That's what we're going to go into in a couple minutes when we uh, go to the dance room. I don't know why that's funny, but finally, the last part is, like, just step out and go in faith. Just step out and go in faith. Jesus told them to go in the city, no baggage, no resources, no sandals. Trust that the Lord will send you to the people he'll provide. And sometimes all we do is look at who we are not and what we have not, rather than believing that Christ is enough. I'll tell you a story about Marine, Marine Chung. So I was, a, I was a Chinese church pastor. I, I was in a Chinese church. And there was a, a woman in our denomination, the Evangelical Free Church of Canada, and she lived down in Toronto, and um, she, she felt this call to be a missionary. Uh, but she was a woman, and our denomination didn't, uh, didn't uh, allow a woman to be pastor, right? So she's like, that's all right. I don't want to be a pastor. I just want to go and plant churches. So she went, and she planted, um, she went and she planted three I can find my notes here because uh, it's been a couple years. She planted, yeah, she planted three of our denominational churches in Toronto. She would just go, she'd plant the church, then she'd be like, well, I'm not supposed to pastor it, so one of you guys got to be the pastor. So she'd train the pastor, and then they'd become the pastor. And then she'd be like, all right, you're fine. So she'd go and do another one. And these are large churches. Now, Maureen, so now <laughs> she's, hundreds of people have come to Christ through those churches. But she was told, you can't be a pastor. She's like, that's fine. Doesn't mean I can't go out into the Great Commission. That's what she did. Do you know what she's doing right now? Well, now, and this was as a year ago, because I wrote this a year ago. So I haven't talked with Maureen for a while. But as of last year, she was 65 years old. A little tiny lady. And she was, uh, she was leading the youth group in her church. <laughs> yeah. She was leading the youth group, and she was a 65-year-old lady, just tiny little woman. Man, you don't want to cross her, but I'll tell you, she's leading the youth group, and the youth love her. Why? Because she loves Jesus. She loves God. She's stepping out on faith. And I'll tell you, man, if she were here, she would talk, tell you stories about how she has experienced the authority and presence of Christ walking with her as she stepped out in faith into the Great Commission. Heavenly Father, I pray 
that uh, you take this message today, you use it in this church, you show them because they've already been wrestling in prayer. We're going to go and pray right now. You know, they already, they, they want this, Lord, for their community. And I pray you lead them to the people who need your love. God, show your love to them. Pour out your love and favor upon them, Lord, as they step out in faith. And, um, yeah, I just thank you, God, for this friendship and the fellowship here, the people in the church. And uh, we just want to pray, Lord, this is all to you and to your glory. In your name we pray. Thanks for tuning in. We're back next week with another great message. Don't forget to check out our website, thegatheringottawa.com, and tune in next week to The Gathering Ottawa's Message Podcast.